Excellent. An ale for me. And for my officers. In fact, ales for everyone. Turn backward. With Rick and Rick and Will and Zemma. Oh, yes. <clears throat> Hello, welcome to another episode of Ten Backward, the UK-based discussion podcast, uh, Star Trek discussion podcast. Oh, I thought I was going to get through it all in one go today, <laughs> but no. Um, from the UK, I've said that bit, haven't I? I'm making a right mess of this. I'm going to quickly introduce you to my co-hosts that are Will Turland. Hello. Gemma Turland. Hello. And Rick Palmer. Hello. And myself, the uh, the inefficiently chatty one, Rick Heverson. We are gathered here today to talk about kids, those flipping kids. And I don't mean the ones we've had to deal with in this coronavirus lockdown. Um, I mean the ones that turn up now and again in Star Trek. Uh, we've picked out some episodes that deal with kids, not necessarily like the cruise children, because that could be kind of a big episode mm. if, you, if you want to talk about Jake and Wesley and Naomi, that could we, there'd be a lot of ground to cover. We're talking about those one-off encounters, I think, with kids today. So we picked up a few episodes and just having a look at how, how do our crews, how do our heroic crews deal with children and and the unexpected. Um, I think is our general theme. But yeah, like like you said, um, the, the I think re- reoccurring child characters in in Star Trek. Um, be a really interesting topic for us to look at hmm, at some point future, in the future. Yeah. But then I think you feels like we we'd we'd open too big a can of worms. We started to yeah. kind of thinking, well, if we're going to talk about Jake, we should talk about like a lot of the sort of key Jake episodes. And, and then wait a minute, that's that's a whole episode in itself. And uh, <laughs> yeah, let's let's bring it down to child encounters. Indeed. Um, yeah, which is what yeah. we did. It is indeed. Um, so we're going to start. Um, should we do this in chronological order, as we like to do? Perfect sense. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to go way back into the mists of the 60s and look at uh, the original series, episode Miri, where the Enterprise encounters a just-like-Earth planet, which becomes a bit mm. of a recurring theme. Mm. Um, and it's only inhabited by children. Uh, it quickly transpires that an effort to prolong life resulted in some long-lived children, um, but was lethal to all adults. Uh, the landing party becomes infected with this um, with, with the disease that results from this effort and must find a cure to save themselves and the children who are very slowly growing up towards their own death. Uh, yeah, and uh, it's interesting that this episode happened to be another... It's a virus outbreak episode, actually, yes. isn't it? I did think that, yeah, when you're watching it, oh, back on this. <laughs> so if you were hoping this podcast might take your mind off the current um, situation Sorry. in the UK, think again. <laughs> but it could, could have well been a, a... No, well, indeed, yeah, indeed, the world. But it could well have been a contender for uh, the previous episode that we did, which was it around have, yeah. viruses in Star Trek. If possibly more of a contender than some of the episodes we talked about. Which were <laughs> Absolutely. Not virus outbreak episodes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. So th- this is an interesting episode. It's kind of a bit of a, a sort of a Lord of the Flies kind of um, yeah. scenario in a way. It felt, it felt like the episode was riffing off that. 
yeah. those kind of themes in our careers a bit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I would say that. I was thinking, I was trying to think about what the origins of this sort of idea are, this sort of a, a post-apocalyptic society where children have survived. And I think <clears throat> Lord of the Flies is a good jumping off point from for that idea. Yeah. Because they have to, the children have to assume certain roles that you would normally associate with adults, I suppose. Mm. Mm. Yeah. But in in this episode, it's interesting that the children aren't, although that they're they're really old, aren't they? They're hundreds of years old. Yeah. But they're actually still children. children. They're physically children. And I I I guess the episode is kind of saying their brain development. Yeah. It means that they they have the brains of children, so they still act like dicks. (laughs) 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 Yeah. But they were. Yeah. Yeah. They are dicks. Uh, they are children, and that all makes sense. But there's no kind of structure in their society, is there? There's, there's, there's in, one. There's one guy, slightly in one older actor who looks Very like he's like actor. he's thirty. Thirty, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I looked at, I, I checked on this, and um, he's actually twenty six. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. I mean, the the, the Kim Darby who played Miri it was nineteen at the point of this. Mm. Okay, um, uh, but yeah, twenty six. Classic. Jeez. Uh, yeah, but I mean, um, Steve McQueen. Um, he famously he played a teenager in the Blob when he was about thirty five. So <laughs> I think it was just the way they did it in, it in was, Hollywood yeah. at the time. Yeah, I, th- I thought you were going to tell me his character. I think the great they still. I, mean, I, I think they still do it because it's not too long <laughs> ago that we had Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and I think most of the actors in that were probably at least ten years older than their characters. Yeah. And I always think about, and this is really specific, but in the Fast and the Furious movies, in um, in Tokyo Drift, the great character, reference, yeah, thank you. The the character in that, the main character, he's like, I think he's meant to be like late teens, early twenties, yeah, yeah. But because of the, he goes to school, doesn't he? He goes to high school in Japan. That's right. But because because of the really confusing, messed up chronology. Of the of the Fast and the Furious movies, Tokyo Drift is actually in the timeline one of the more recent. So he shows yeah. up. So that same character shows up again, like fifteen years later. But, but, but kind of, but it's it's pretty much like the next day or something. And he's <laughs> like he's clearly aged fifteen years. Like he's balding. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of my favourite moments in the whole ridiculous Fast and the Furious franchise. It's like he's not yeah. a teenager, he's receding. <laughs> Look at him. Oh, thankfully, Star Trek would never do anything crazy like that. <laughs> You're not going to see Riker from season seven of TNG watching an Enterprise um, holodrama when he clearly looks 14 years older than he did in uh, season seven of TNG. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so the, yeah, uh, as we were saying, that there isn't, um, there isn't really a sort of a con- kind of society. No. constructed as such the kids are all just been, running wild yeah. they're sort of feral yeah they? i mean any any leadership tends to fall to the older children which is kind of a poor system because they're obviously next in line to mature catch the disease yeah. and die so uh if you if you if you rise to leadership of your feral child society your number you know your card is marked your your number's ticking away yeah yeah, yeah very much so. and they do i mean they do have a, a sort of a 
uh, I guess, a kind of a legal system as such, because we know that there is corporal punishment, which is bump, yeah. bump on the head. <laughs> 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 which they say over and over, over again. And over again. <laughs> bump, bump, hit him. Look at my arms. That's what's going to happen to you. Unless you let me help you. We had that in, in the late 80s with um, Mallet's Mallet, of course. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> this, yeah, this society is like... It's like, the, it's like the, one of them they the, sort of, yeah. Whack-a-day, it's whack-a-day rules, I suppose. Yeah, it's like a nightmare scenario where whack-a-day becomes uh, like, like it's like an, like an alien society saw an episode of whack-a-day and then basically... <laughs> yeah. I'm going to always just sing this in cutscenes where they see where we see like the altar of Timmy Mallet and statues of him, and you find out he's like a big, a big a big pair of glasses and a and like a Bermuda shirt. <laughs> oh, this reference is completely lost on our American listeners now, isn't it? <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, if, you, if, you, if you don't understand what Wackaday is, the great thing about a podcast is you can pause it, Google Wackaday, and you'll immediately understand in some part what we're talking about. Yeah, or just yeah. turn it off in absolute frustration. <laughs> but then you wouldn't find out who Pinky Punky is. <laughs> Pinky Punky is the like the the little baby mallet in Oh right! The... Yeah. We know, we know. Oh, yeah, right. No, to be fair, I didn't. Gemma had a look of confusion. Yeah, I obviously didn't pay it as much. <laughs> you thought, well, this is a Star Trek podcast. I don't imagine. <laughs> I'm like... gonna have to. Gemma from... <laughs> yeah, like, how is there? How is there a junior? How is there a young mallet? Does that mean that mallets breed? <laughs> they procreate. Yeah. Oh dear. Well, oh, I mean. Yeah. A mallet falls in love with another mallet. They bang. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, my God. Oh, thanks for coming out to the podcast, my dad. <laughs> Great to hear from you. Uh, but, yeah, if you're at all confused, um, do do look up Wackaday and everything. For just, you know, you might find out about Michaela Strachan, which is always nice. <laughs> oh, I, was, I, I was a little bit in love with Michaela Strachan when I was I like... I think we all were. <laughs> I yeah. was going to say, I think you were the only one. I t- I actually I once wrote it. My parents tell me tell me about this sometimes. I wrote her a letter asking if she wanted to come over for for dinner. Oh my god! I don't That's know. So cute. I don't know for sure if my mum ever really posted <laughs> that letter. <laughs> I totally wrote it, but Michaela Strachan never came round. So, you know, these days I'm assuming just... they didn't post it, and that's why she didn't come round. Yeah. yeah. Or she's been really busy, and any second there's going to be a knock at the door. Yes. <laughs> we'll yeah, maybe they did post it, but you know, it's just maybe Michaela Strachan got a lot of um, dining re- dining requests. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, you know that episode of Star Trek. <laughs> 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 oh yeah, let's well, talk about that. I was going to say um, a, a little while ago we talked about procreating, mm. uh, <laughs> but we were talking about um, mallets. <laughs> <laughs> but actually, uh, that's that's an issue that they talk about in the episode, though, mm. because one of the questions is, well, how can there be children around if, if all of the adults died out hundreds years of years ago, ago? How can there be children? And it turns out that the, the virus is a result of an experiment 
like a sort of a, a like a long life serum mm. that this society was working on, which actually basically worked. Kind of. It's just that <laughs> your your life is extended for hundreds and hundreds of years until you gradually become an adult. It's like one month. It's like a year. So of, was it? No, is it ten? Ten, ten years. years. Yeah. That was yeah. And then you get hard it's like it's like that it's it's that classic line from Jurassic Park where um Ian Malcolm says like, your scientists were so um bothered with working out if they could they didn't stop to think if they should yes. <laughs> yeah yeah and um, it's, it's similar to um similar to what happens in um Firefly and Serenity so in that in in that oh, world, they, yeah. there's a planet called Miranda, Miranda. and and the whole uh, so much of what the is encountered in that in that world is because of an experiment they they, they did mm. on that planet, and it just goes horribly wrong. <laughs> yeah, and they wanted yeah. to pacify the population. Yeah, they wanted to make people it, chill out. Some of them it went horribly was, wrong, and it went the well, Some of them did too much, and some of them, yeah. And they kind of end well, yeah. They they end up becoming the like the Reavers, Reavers don't they? Yeah. Which are basically like adults in this episode. Yes. In, in Mary, mm. they're kind of crazed, murderous, yeah, adults. Aren't they? So actually, yeah, no, it's a similar kind of a yeah a story in a way. So I I came to this episode. I hadn't seen this episode in a long time, and I know this is quite a. It's not considered to be among original series' best. I think it often comes up in like the list of the worst ever episodes of Star Trek. I gotta say, I I really enjoyed it. I thought it had a great like high concept mm. kind of sci-fi idea behind it. It was like a post-apocalyptic society. I thought it looked really good. I really liked the sets. I mean, I, I, the whole kind of the whole kind of Second Earth thing immediately made me think. Right, well, they found a set. They found a set that they can use. <laughs> yes. Uh, but it's obviously a set based on, like, Earth history. So they have to come up with a reason why they can use that. I don't know. It looks really good, I think, this episode. Yeah. And I thought it was a really interesting idea. It's just that the, the kids in it are really irritating. Yeah. Well, I like but... the bit. There's one bit where... Um... Um, the, the Kirk yanks the bunk bunk on the head kid off the table. He yanks yeah, him off the table does. onto the ground. I was about to find social with services. Him. No, I was with uh, him. Okay. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, we've been in lockdown with our kids for the last few weeks. So yeah, yeah, we were feeling. <laughs> feeling that. I do remember the the, 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 the jerk leader kid yeah. is the thing that I remember most. I think. It reminds me of um, oh, um, in Home Alone. Um, Kevin has that big. He has that big, essentially a big overweight brother, doesn't he? Yeah, or is it his Buzz, is it Buzz or something or Buzz, like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like it, that that kind of jerk character. Which, mm. um, yeah, I agree. I mean, I think you know, Star Trek has a, especially the original series, it had a good, it has a good track record of getting writers in with interesting ideas and. I think mm-hmm. it is. This is a really interesting idea. I'm, I'm, I'm always. It, it's an interesting concept to have a society where there's just children and how mm. they adapt to. Mm. They they sort of fill the roles that that adults have. And yeah. yeah, but there was no. I don't think there was any kind of implication that the children were self sufficient. They 
They, really? there's, a, there's a point that they talk about them, they're going to starve in about six months. They're going to run out of food. Yeah. Oh, they'll still be here, but not for long, because the food's all gone. You've eaten it. Maybe six months left, that's all, and then nothing left to eat. Which no. suggests that they are just consuming whatever supplies they have yeah. on the planet. So, like you say, they're not, they haven't thought ahead as to how they would manufacture more food. Which um, I guess, I I guess is fair, you know, because they, mm. they when I, when they reach puberty, that's when they die. So, yeah. or is it, or is it? I suppose it's not when they reach puberty, is it? It's when they get to a certain level of puberty. Yeah. So, are they really capable of five hairs? <laughs> five <laughs> hairs and you're down. <laughs> Level of... ten of puberty when you defeat the big boss. Scratch <laughs> and farm and produce food where they probably mm. never and i guess they've always had presumably they've had a supply of food which mm. has lasted for hundreds of years yeah so what the, why would they think that that's going to be a problem in the future when yeah. in the past it hasn't been a problem so you could imagine an adult society ending up like that yeah maybe yeah but yeah yeah mm. the children don't have that kind of I really like the um, the way that Kirk has no idea how to deal with this particular enemy. He when, mm. when they he's trying to reason with these children mainly through Miri, but when they've taken the equipment, they take Rand. He's got he he doesn't know how to deal with this foe. He can out tactical a Romulan. He can bluff Balok, and he can he can hand to hand combat a Gorn. But kids, no idea. And, and, and yeah. you see the desperation in him. You know, when he yanks that kid off, he's just lost. He doesn't know what to do. And, you know, I think there's a part yeah. he holds back because yeah. he can't physically beat the crap out of these kids, thankfully. He can't, um, make, he can't argue it. He can't argue mm. a child to the point where steam comes out of its ears. <laughs> no, yeah. because it, the opposite will happen. The, the yeah. kids will make steam come out of his ears. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. He, he, he now knows how all those computers feel when he talks to them. Because <laughs> the way the kids are, it's just him. Um, and thankfully, because he's normal, you know, obviously there's there's a plot line that Miri is maturing and she's developing a crush. And his normal approach with a woman who's slightly attracted to him would be to seduce her. And thank fuck he doesn't do that because it'd be yeah, hugely appropriate. No, he kind yeah. of I, does. He does. He actively, he, he manipulates her. I, I, I thought there were like slightly uncomfortable scenes. Very uncomfortable. But he I, gives her some little smiles. I'm just like, oh, Kurt, come on. But his, his idea is to tell a young lady that she's pretty and that's, but I mean, which, you know, of the time is that that's how people spoke to young ladies but um mm. and that's how you get them on your side but it was he was he was from the beginning he was manipulating her he knew that she obviously appreciated his opinion of her mm. and he was coldly using that pretty name for a pretty young woman I'm not sure if he was necessarily from the beginning because kind of it's like Spock has to point it out to him. And he seems genuinely flustered when Spock says it. He's like, oh, oh, right, okay. And then sort of I I, I took his interactions with her then to be sort of, I don't know, slightly guarded almost. 
Mm. I, I, yeah, I appreciate it's kind of like a get, get the mission, get the mission done kind of mm. thing. Like a oh I yeah, mean, no, it was it was a get the mission done thing. He was he was I I got the impression that he was kind of using the fact that she was responding to him to. Oh right, to sort of getting in yeah. with the kids yeah. and to, well, yeah, not, to get what or, they needed, or to get the, the information that they needed. Yeah, I think he was, but in a much less inappropriate way than he would have. Oh, I don't think there was anything you know, inappropriate mm, about it. I just yeah. think he was, well, he was, he was using her response to him. Yeah, and we to when, his advantage because I didn't remember this episode that well when he was like kind of smiling at, at her at the beginning oh, I was like oh focus. no <laughs> oh no where is this episode is this one of those episodes that they weren't allowed to show on BBC too <laughs> it is but I'll get on to that later oh, oh, oh this yeah. was before um because this was before um Chekhov was in it because he had he yeah. was specifically he was specifically brought into the show because he looked like one of the monkeys or he was given a monkeys style look wasn't he oh, yeah. right yeah so he would have been he would have been like Chekhov would have been the guy if he'd been around to to do that with his monkeys-esque appearance yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> knowing all the knowing all the hot tunes of the, of the... <laughs> yeah. but I, I I also like I mean there's there's it's very much a trope in sort of post-apocalyptic uh, kind of sci-fi to have this kind of like fake language like the yeah. the idea which is completely um logical that that language would evolve over time yeah. and change so we have words like grups instead of grown-ups and um what, what are the other it's kind of it's it's like is it like pigeon i would say it's like a pigeon language yeah yeah that's yeah. it they yeah. use foolies uh, for jokes, don't they? Foolies, um, that's it. Yeah, and the before it reminds time. me a bit before of um, cloud time. cloud atlases. I mean, I know it's been in plenty of other things, but in cloud atlas, especially, yes. there's a period of there's a period of time in cloud atlas where they where they speak in a heavily heavily changed language, and I, yeah, I, I I like I, the cloud atlas film. I know we're going off topic, but I like the Cloud Atlas film. I think it's it's very watchable and interesting. There's points, the book itself, that all the chapters where that involve a lot of that, I I found really hard to get through because because you're really you're you're really working hard to understand what they're on about. <laughs> and I and I think one problem in the Cloud Atlas film is that when you when you get to those scenes where they're they're talking that sort of fake language it's, it's just a little bit funny <laughs> and a little yeah bit yeah it's hard it's, it's so hard, hard it's hard to create a, it's hard yeah. so ironically considering we're in star trek klingon klingon sounds fine but yeah but but yeah. but changing the language we know it it just seems fake you know yeah. that, that's yeah. funny isn't it? it it's very very hard Maybe it's just been sort of parodied too many times. But, and, I mean, but I... people, I think people do it lazily. And look, it mm. works in the expanse because that is, and it mm. works beautifully. That's because they've they've put work into taking, you know, meshing together a language from languages that already exist. And they give it an accent yeah. too. And they give so, it an accent. Yeah, because yeah. you got to go to the, you know, you got to go to the like Belter loaded language. <laughs> Everyone kind of talks like they're a bit South African. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but which South, yeah, I mean South African is a Belta loader. That's, 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 that's been kind of 
meshed together from language from from accents that already exist. Yeah. So that's why it works as the accent for no that. point. No point working within us. They're not going to respect actors <laughs> like us. Uh, that's good. That's really good. Very good. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I guess, man. I guess this was like <laughs> that. That was like a whole series, I suppose. Whereas this is like one single episode. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that so so they wouldn't necessarily have had the time to kind of put the effort into making up a whole <clears throat> language. So I guess yeah. it's a bit of a shock oh, to yeah. say, oh, let's just tweak a few. Let's no, it's invent always just the a same, few. isn't it? Yeah. I I, I have to admit the. Yeah. Sorry, Gemma. No, of, no. All, of all the, of all the series, um, in terms of the behind the scenes stuff, I'm. I, I would love. I would just love to know more about. I mean, there's, I'm sure there's plenty of books, and I've, I've probably got one on my bookshelf. But the the writing process in in the original series here, I think that might be the most interesting. Mm. Um, just just in terms of how they got it out and that era of television making as well. Mm. When um, I'm I'm just fascinated by how they kind of put together an episode like like Miri, his idea and, mm. and everything and putting it all together, the costumes and everything. It's just, it's, it's really interesting. Do you think we should, do you think we should move on to our next child episode? Mm-hmm. Oh, I did just want to mention. Oh, yeah. About uh, um, Miri being banned by the BBC oh, yeah. in Britain. Mm. So, um, oh, yeah. well, well, it was shown in the BBC's first run in the UK of Star Trek in 1970. It was not broadcast again until the 1990s. Um, there was an official BBC statement um, that read, after careful consideration, a top-level decision was made not to screen the episodes entitled The Empath, Whom Gods Destroy, Plato's Stepchildren and Miri, because they all dealt most unpleasantly with the already unpleasant subjects of madness, torture, sadism and disease. Wow. Um, Apparently in that 1970 screening of the BBC, several viewers wrote to complain about the content. Hmm. Um, and from then, the BBC reviewed all the other Star Trek episodes and pulled the other three because they were all after set. They all they all came after Miri. Um, interestingly, I think they're all season three episodes. Um, and yeah, so there was those four that were then banned from the BBC until the nineteen nineties BBC Two Wednesday night screenings. How weird! Mm. Do you think that, is, that is that because of the disease content specifically? Yeah, I well, from from. What it sounds like, yeah. Madness, torture, sadism, and disease. I mean, there might have been an element of the madness because when we see the grown-up, the, the the matured children, and obviously when were they the... being shown? When were they being shown, Rick? When was that decision made? Um, that was made in the, well, after the nineteen seventy screening. That's when the complaints got in, and so basically, any time the BBC reran Star Trek until the nineteen nineties, they would not I show. It, I mean, I guess episodes. is that like kind of a? I mean, I guess the. The Cold War was still going on then, so depicting post-apocalyptic societies might be. But <laughs> yeah. yeah. disease as a. But that's weird because subject. Yeah, there were, there were plenty of other shows that the BBC showed that were pretty bleak. Yeah, I mean, I mean like, things like Threads. Threads. Yeah. Was, well, the the yeah. prisoner uh, dealt with madness. A lot because it was nutty as balls. <laughs> what about the naked time? It was time? British, God, but it was British, God damn it! <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. The naked time deals with a virus that's a kind of disease and madness because everyone's drunk. So, yeah. yeah, what makes that more or less palatable than Miri? I don't know. Mm. I, I guess it's like decisions made at 
at BBC. Do you think it could have been something to do with the concept of the children abandoned in, uh, you know, a, a devastated city? Mm. Do you think that could have had that could have touched some some sensitive in, in at that time? Um, there would have been be. sensitive yeah, yeah. still open. I'd, I'd kind of like to dig more into it. I might have a look, see if I can find out any more, sort of exactly what the complaints were. I think they were like, well, the only the only area we're happy for kind of disturbing content to be shown is adverts that tell you to not cross railway lines, or yeah. <laughs> or, um, or yeah, you know, yeah, or going public, sa- public, yeah, public safety announcements can be as horrific and spine chilling as we like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, go for it. But um, but Star Trek, but Star Trek having a of a civilization run by children in a post apocalyptic world, <laughs> I, I don't think so. <laughs> People say that modern Star Trek is too is too is too dark and too too grim. It wasn't getting banned. A couple of f bombs, flipping heck. Apparently, That's true. Yeah. All, yeah, all all the accusations laid at modern Star Trek have been laid at every iteration of Star Trek. Yes. Yeah. The card never got bonk bonked on the head, did he? <laughs> In the before time. <laughs> uh, season two, that's going to happen, and obviously it'll be a clang noise because he's a robot now. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think drawing a bit of a line under Miri, I guess we can say in the original series, when Star Trek encountered children, they were horrifying and, and feral. Uh, and the end. Uh, that's based on that one episode <laughs> that we have. Well, <laughs> we could we could have gone into and the children shall lead, but um, that's a terrible episode. Now, <laughs> I don't say that I don't say that lightly because the, the way I feel about Star Trek is I forgive almost anything. But yeah, that's that's a terrible episode. Okay, and and, and, and underscores the point that yeah, children left alone can go feral and crazy. So. <laughs> Well, should we should we go on to the next episode chronologically, which I yes. think will be the TNG episode, Rascals. Rascals. Excellent. Oh, oh no, no, it is Rascals, yes. isn't it? It is. I, yeah. I was just thinking, does the DS9 episode come before that? But it no. Now I have a Rascals is again an episode which isn't considered to be one of TNG's strongest. It indeed often comes up in like the top 10 worst episodes of <laughs> TNG. I, I really enjoy Rascals. I think I, it's I great. Think, I think those list, lists of bad episodes, though, are written by idiots. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> right. It, I, think it, I think it's similar to people who, um, like, you should only like cool, cool music as opposed to, you know, popular music. Yeah. yeah. Like, uh, you know. I, I think I, I have to admit I was probably one of those people that kind of poo pooed it a little, not not too long ago. But having watched it relatively recently, having watched it this very evening and and recently, I think it's great. I it's, think it's got a lot going for it. It's a whole it's so lot much fun. Yeah. yeah, even at the beginning, before before anyone and there's any kids, there's that opening weather in the shuttle. Gain and Keiko and Roe are just having to sit through Picard running around the shuttle with his massive archaeology boner. Um, <laughs> and, I, I, and he's stuck. I think he's stolen that. that, that. <laughs> is he supposed to take those back? I mean, yeah. Like, Although, wait a minute. I have to say that that is another 
example of of the uh, crew of the Enterprise, TNG, being mean about someone who isn't part of the collective. <laughs> um, you know, he's, he's got he's got something that's his own, and it's not yeah. part of the group's thing that they like to do. <laughs> so they're going to be a dick to him because <laughs> it's his thing that he likes to do. We don't like to do that. Therefore, yeah. it's stupid. You're on the most beautiful planet in the quadrant, and you spent your entire shore leave in a cave. It was a very rewarding experience. Look at these fragments. They're, they're very nearly in perfect condition, and yet they're 700 years old. So's my father. Well, they weren't, they weren't overtly mean. They were just sharing oh, a couple of amused glances. Nice. They were being snide. Hey, he can take I don't captain. He, he didn't even realise though, because when Guinan was like, Did you just spend you on the most beautiful planet in the quadrant and you just spent the whole time in a cave? He's like, Yeah, it's really rewarding. Yeah, he enjoyed it. It's his Look what I've stolen. <laughs> Look at all these bits of pottery I've nicked. These That's... are worth thousands, millions even. <laughs> <laughs> These important cultural icons. Yeah. In the Federation, we don't have money. So, these, these <laughs> so we need artifacts. <laughs> <laughs> the, basic, the basic plot of this episode is that due to a ridiculous transporter accident... Well, um, the, the shuttle gets caught in random anomaly number 47, which yeah. interferes with the transporter. And Picard, Ensign Rowe, Guinan and Keiko O'Brien all get um, turned into children yeah. uh, when they get beamed back to the ship. And they can't reverse it for reasons. For reasons, yeah. Although well, not not, not straight away. Yeah. Um, I, um, at this point, I have a question, which I'm, I'm wondering if you guys had. Is um, it, is it how, how, come, how come the thing that affects a weird part of the DNA shrinks their clothes? Yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to, to the, but to the extent where, where Guinan's hat it's still big, <laughs> but smaller. Big, but appropriately sized. For that head. is silly, isn't it? It is. I guess maybe clothes have DNA. I mean, I wouldn't know because I'm not a, uh, a fashion designer. <laughs> but if is, there, were... is, there, is, is there an explanation like, nope. at all, Rick? No. <laughs> I don't know why you're putting this on me. No, well, no, there's no explanation. I, I, feel, I, like, I mean... feel like you're the most knowledgeable of us all. Yeah. Um, actually, ironically, a co-worker of mine does have a degree in fashion. Um, and maybe, maybe I'll put this question to her <laughs> and see see if she can explain whether there's some sort of deep set DNA to clothes. Maybe is it is it some sort of like a modesty oh. protocol where they... <laughs> oh, it shrinks it to the body in the oh, interesting. Yeah, maybe it's like it's something in the transporter because they they have like biofilters and yeah, stuff. They got they? like. So, they got yeah fashion filter yeah yeah fashion filter, or maybe yeah. they've simply been wearing those clothes for so long they've um they've transferred their DNA into the fabric yeah <laughs> yeah maybe sweated, sweated their DNA code yeah uh, uh, but yeah but that's a good answer I'm, I'm, I'm gonna say it's it's an advanced thing you know that um you know that film Back to the Future Part Two mm. where Marty McFly goes to 2015. And they have like a shrinking jacket that he wears. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. By the 24th century, they have an even more advanced and the instantaneous shrinking clothes that just mold to fit the form as appropriate. I just think it's brilliant that, that baby Guinan has a slightly <laughs> smaller 
massive hat. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's great. Um, there's there was... a brilliant bit later where they have to go in the Jeffrey's tube and Guy almost can't fit into the Jeffrey's tube because of a hat. <laughs> <laughs> if there was such a thing as a fashion filter on the transporters, then how would Jake Sisko ever get anywhere? <laughs> yeah, or, or Echep. <laughs> God, yeah. Oh, you like yeah, it's like you you do realize that you are wearing Bill Cosby jumpers, Egypt. Like, <laughs> do you really Error. want to wear that? <laughs> Error. The fashion police have been notified. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so the then ridiculously in the episode. Um, well, I suppose first of all, the the idea is that they are. They still have their minds, mm. but they are in a they are in children's bodies. Yeah, they're effectively the same character. Um, but in the case of uh, Jean Luc Picard, a much worse actor. Much. Worse. <laughs> My appearance is a result of an accident involving myself and three other crew members. The effects of which Doctor Crusher is currently working to remedy. I assure you, I am Captain Picard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Although I, I do, he does try to get. Um, the mannerisms, I would say, I, I yeah. do feel like he did try that. And I, I don't want to be too mean to that guy, mm. because, but I mean, in fairness, Patrick Stewart is a flipping amazing actor. Yeah, and you could be a really good actor and still not be anywhere near as good as Patrick Stewart. Yes, but we're not we're not balancing him against Patrick Stewart. We're just balancing against someone who can. Act. Do, do acting. Do acting. Oh, I don't know. I don't want to be because, too mean. No, because cause... the other kids, I think, do hmm. a pretty good job. I, th- I think Ro and the, the, yeah. the Ro and Guinan kids, I think that sort of B-plot mm-hmm. where Ro discover, sort of discovers a childhood that she never had. Mm. And Guinan is just like pissing about having fun, <laughs> jumping on beds. Mm. That's all loads of fun. Yeah. I, there's really a part fun. of me that... yeah. There's a part of me that was wondering if Guinan was dubbed, and uh, not because of the, yeah, the, the talent of the actor, really... but because because that because young young Guinan is really spot on. I would say. Yeah. Well, to be fair, she had an advantage as she'd already played young Whoopi Goldberg in one of the Sister Act movies. Oh. Right. Okay. Because oh. so, I, I mean, I that wasn't yeah, that wasn't an, a, a, like a a critique of the. Of the actor, but I just like, felt like I just yeah, thought like, it like it was dubbed a little bit. She, yeah. she was professionally much. trained to play young Whoopi Goldberg. Yeah. She was very much back in the habit of playing. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, nice, nice. Or back Would in you the say hat. Like, really um, cool. is back in the habit better than the first this track film? Will I? Do you know? I think they're about as good as each other. <laughs> <laughs> I get asked if clothes have DNA. Will gets asked which Sister Act film is better. <laughs> um, well, because he's a big fan. I mean, I, we're all a big fan, right? I mean, I love, I love the Sister Act films. Who is it? Can I just shock you? I haven't watched either. Oh, oh well, you've got yourself um, a fun lockdown time, Rick. <laughs> yes, the, uh, they're both pretty good. Regular broadcasting of Ten Backward is now on hold. Next week, we will be doing uh, Sister Act One and Two, the podcast, a standalone. <laughs> I I have to admit, I'm 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 down with that idea. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm kind of tempted. I'll watch Sister Act One and Two this this in this next week, and we'll do a podcast about it in addition to oh, next week's Ten Backward. I'd, I'd really love to do that. 
It's not. It's not my favorite nun movie, but it's it's up there. <laughs> favorite nun movie. Um, Black Narcissus. What's that? Sorry. Uh, Black Narcissus. Oh, it's about. That's you could say nuns on the run. Yeah. That's um yeah that's that's an amazing film right. about um yeah so that's my favorite nun movie. I'm not going to mention what my favorite nun movie. No, is that's because that's private. It's not, ava- it's not available that. sort of no. commercially generally. <laughs> Certainly websites. Oh. <laughs> too much. Way too is it, much. Is it adapted from a story on Rick's website? <laughs> it, funnily enough, it is. And and toned down. Know, wait a minute, I I haven't received any royalties for that. Um, <laughs> that I know of. Um, uh, oh yeah, I, I mean, I did write a story about um, two nuns having a bath, but but <laughs> did that didn't seem to go. Pardon? Did the blind man come in? No, there were, there were two. It's a story about two nuns having a bath, and then one of them says, "Where's the soap?" And, um, and then it, and it goes on from there. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Uh, can we talk about it's, it's, it's tasteful, but it's tasteful like it's not it's not too smutty it's just you know you have to you have to read the entire story to get to the like the erotic denouement i would say <laughs> so it doesn't it doesn't lay it out there straight away it's like, like 200 yeah. pages of build-up <laughs> well, you should know well i i mean i sent you the i sent you an advanced copy so yeah i would hope you had read that he, he got a film made out of it so. <laughs> yeah. i skim read it and then yeah made a film out of the last <laughs> 10 minutes the climax as it were <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i remember when we were talking about star trek uh, <laughs> about 25 minutes. damn you nuns <laughs> um yeah so in Rascals, another ridiculous thing that happens is, um, by chance, they get attacked by the Ferengi in um, two Klingon warbirds, so a uh, birds of prey, even sorry, um, so that they can reuse the battle footage from yesterday's Enterprise. <laughs> and, yeah, um, and they manage to take over the whole Enterprise. The whole Enterprise. Yeah, I, I, I. This is the only thing in the episode I don't like because. It's another thing that just just makes the Enterprise D look not very powerful. Mm. Yeah, like it, it's yeah. It's not it's not pretty. It's not that formidable, is it? Like as a ship. No. Not and if it, two it, antiquated bird of prey can take it down, even if with surprise. I mean, it felt like it was just too obvious of a contrivance of the plot that that it was like, well, we need we need. Uh, some aliens to attack the Enterprise and take over. But it's a fun episode. It's a funny so, one. So it can't be the Klingons or anyone who's a real threat. Uh, so mm. let's make it a Ferengi. Everyone yeah. Ferengi. Yeah. And, there are, and there's a point where they say, like, there's um, casualties, like, severe, lots of casualties. Marauding <laughs> um, Ferengi. I like it when Worf completely fucks up on, <laughs> being, the, on being the Guys, security. totally, yeah. <laughs> Terrible, isn't it? And then falls over. <laughs> yeah. I like it. Yeah. Actually, Odo calls him out on that. He specifically references this episode when uh, Wolf is bitching that someone robbed his quarters. And Odo's like, oh, let's look at security breaches on the Enterprise then. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> but it is it is a bit because and I, I know in Larry Nemechek's uh, Next Gen Companion book, he has... He, he has an interview where someone literally mentions, would you believe that the children could take it back from Romulans or Cardassians? Mm. But it's just like, 
you know, at the, at the, in, the, in the last episode of Picard, Riker turns up with a fleet and everyone's like, yes. Mm-hmm. But seriously, Starfleet should have been like, what, Riker, the guy who lost the Enterprise D to two fucking clink- antiquated bird of praise with some Ferengi on it? No, like, no he's I- not going. <laughs> so, you know, you had to get a kick to bail him out. Mm. But, but if, you know, if, it's a fun episode. So yeah, yeah if you can get over that that hurt. I think I've seen this episode enough times that I it doesn't even bother me anymore. And it's just it's just fun to see uh like Picard having a tantrum to kind of mess with <laughs> yeah. the and like Alexander um like what's he what's he got that is it like a I can't remember what it's like is. a hoverboard. It's like yeah. a remote control car thing, isn't it? Yeah. I yeah. like it when he tosses the, the badge to the Ferengis. It's, but yeah. Hold this. And I um been there. And it's nice yeah. to have an episode with Alexander where he's not it's not an episode where it's about his relationship to his father or he's not disappointing. It's not essentially he's not disappointing his father. Mm. Like he's helpful. That's true. And yeah. He's an, he's like he's he's having a good time because I I feel sorry for Alexander in a way because a lot of his stories that we've seen are sort of wolf stories, kind of accepting a child, and at least in this one, he gets to have fun and mm. and play a and play a significant role. Yeah, and they. It's also nice that they remember that he's a character on the Enterprise. Yeah, he, yeah, he exists. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, which even Worf has trouble doing a lot of the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Not a lot of the other, the other kids don't get a look in do they 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 just sort of huddled to one side of the classroom yeah well, yeah, yeah they haven't paid them <laughs> to do but, yeah, I, yeah that's true none I, of the other kids like step up it's only the adult ki- mm. adult minds in kids bodies that are able to do anything so it's not maybe. really saying much about children. I, I, no. what about jeremy I think Astor, that... the kid whose mum was killed in series three and Worf essentially adopted him and we never heard of him again <laughs> would it be? Is that because? Is that because if they'd included him again, the writer of the original script would have got royalty payments? No, Ron Moore was on staff. Right. Okay. That was Ron Moore's I, debut. I was thinking that. I, I think Jeremy Astor. Yeah. Jeremy Astor could have turned up in DS Nine. That would have been cool. Well, I tell you, I tell you why Jeremy Astor wasn't able to help in Rascals because Worf is a shit dad and sent him away somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Wolf's or- parent, but Wolf's parents are so lovely. They are, aren't they? Yeah. 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 I mean, I going back to this this episode. I um, I think this one of the things this episode does really well is that it has some great scenes in it that are relative to the situation. So I really like the scene with with O'Brien and twelve uh, year old Keiko, which oh yeah, I, which yeah. could have been really difficult. But actually comes across really well. I I really liked it, and I think yeah. they 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 put a lot of effort into the actors and the writers. Everything I, I felt anyway that they put a lot of effort into how that would play out, and and it's and it doesn't. It's not a long scene at all, but but it works really well. Mm. Yeah, and uh, and yeah, and and I think the situation that happens with these characters becoming children is used. As well as it could be, I think. Mm. Yeah, I think I think the I think that the the 
the O'Briens was done beautifully and the whole, yeah. the whole uncomfortable awkwardness of that situation was handled really well. But I think the the, the stuff on the bridge was I don't know. Oh, do you mean the, when the other like the other bridge officers yeah, couldn't the way they, accept Picard being a child yeah. now? That even though they all knew, they were all told that it's the same person yeah. who's just in the body of a child. And the things that they've encountered so far. Yeah. And they simply could not take, you know, they couldn't divorce the physicality from the, I don't know, I think yeah. that was a bit. I Yeah, you'd think that they would be able to deal with that a bit better. Yeah. Wouldn't you? But yeah. <laughs> like everybody watched Doogie Hauser and Dean. <laughs> I'm Doogie Howser because Picard is basically Doogie Howser Starship Captain. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, right. yeah, because there must be alien there must be alien races. There must be alien races in the Federation where they're smaller and their voices are higher. And yeah, yeah. I mean I, I mean are you gonna Riker mostly. But... Yeah, Riker was like, This is a different actor. This isn't Patrick Stewart. I'm not, I'm not taking orders <laughs> from him. About this. They're like, Riker, it's this is he's this is the one where he's a kid, right? He's like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not doing yeah. it. I'm going to put my trombone on. <laughs> yeah. But you know, Riker has the most yeah, I, I, different people. He, he's not going to be able to handle someone else. But but, <laughs> <laughs> but, but watching this again, I this this. Premise. I, I I genuinely think this premise would be a, a great premise for the start of a show. Like characters having to go back and be kids again with no fix. Like this, imagine imagine this episode where there wasn't a fix and they all had to go back and just restart. Because there's a point. There's a point, and I think for most of the characters, apart from maybe Keiko and Guinan, I think Picard. I think Picard and Roe. There are. They're, they both consider that this is an opportunity to kind of have a restart in their life. Mm. Yeah, Picard talking about going back to the academy and how that would well, hold. Certain Troy suggests uh, go back to the academy, mm. get another degree, and he, he's kind of scornful. It's like, well, and be Wesley Crusher's roommate. Yeah, that that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wesley. Yeah, <laughs> but but with Roe, with Roe, definitely, I I mm. I think. That was really well done because I, I got the sense because there's a there's a kind of a throwaway moment in this episode where I think Crusher says that potentially like at the moment their minds are their adult minds and their bodies are children, but eventually their minds might sort of kind of level up with their bodies and they'll kind of just they'll essentially become children again properly. They won't... And and I think with, with Roe, I, I got the sense that was starting to happen. I I, I think I, I like... I think I like kind of child Roe the most. I think that her, mm. her experience was the most interesting. She had the night... At the end of the episode is really lovely mm. with yeah. her kind of habit... Because, you know, Roe as a child, first time around was in a, essentially in a concentration camp and didn't have many, wasn't able to kind of do the normal kid stuff of drawing pictures of her parents and stuff like that. 
Yeah. And and I think that was an interesting aspect. I, and I think this episode did did the, did that well where it was Picard and Roe who were probably the characters that were coolest with being kids again. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas Guinan and Guinan and Keiko probably were cool with with what where they were. It's not quite as bad as I remembered it. Being a child, I mean. We better get going. Well, what's the hurry? I mean, the transporter will still be there. Yeah. Yeah, I, did, I thought they did the best, the best character stuff with Roe. Mm. Um, yeah. I think she and and I guess in the, in the, it's just always nice in in TNG where we get some time with Roe as a character because she was she was a character that came and went in. Yeah. In TNG, yeah. so this is a, this is a good episode for her actually, even though it's mostly not um, not that actress. No, but stay as a kid because she kind of deserves a, a better childhood. It's like you know what, take your second yeah. shot, have a good one this time. So I guess in I suppose in in summary, TNG in in this episode looks at childhood as something to be cherished. cherished yeah. Um, and and also maybe just that. <laughs> <laughs> and also, this, this, also, this is an episode where um, Doctor Crusher almost gets the chance to be the main character, and then <laughs> doesn't quite. So there's a. It feels like early on in the episode, it feels like Doctor Crusher is going to be the person who is in charge of whatever it's going to whatever's going to happen to restore them to being adults and then and then there's like a scene where they just kind of do some science bullshit and say oh of course and then (laughs) i i I felt yeah so yeah i i I was a bit i was slightly disappointed by that because i i know that you know there aren't too many episodes where where dr grusha gets to take center stage and this felt like it could have been one of them yeah um but they they do some kind of um, um techno babble to explain how they can how they can restore everybody and i was thinking um does picard does picard still have like bog stuff in him at this point prior to being youthified Mm. yeah yeah does he i mean i'm good i mean because it's it's kind of vague isn't it about his restoration to humanity but i know that seven of nine they kind of were able to sort of just switch off stuff so she still had plenty of Borg stuff in her but it wasn't active so mm. I was wondering if they were like well how about we kind of bring back Picard without any of this like Borg stuff in him so he's a bit he's healthier or or is um or the thing that <laughs> or the thing that affects him in Star Trek Picard is his long-term condition I guess yeah. you can't do that well, that's a structural defect. So it sounds like that mm. was always there. But the Borg thing, I mean, he still has Borg something there because he's still able to hear them in first contact, isn't he? So it kind yeah. of like, some, something remains. Um, but yeah, it's kind of an interesting thing because you kind of get into that area with the with the transporters. Like, why can't they reconstitute them with a functioning heart? Yeah, and also, yeah. I mean, I mean, potentially. With this incident, I mean, you could have a sort of an altered carbon situation in Star Trek where you can just de-age, well, not not entirely, but you can just 
go into a transporter and make yourself, I don't know, 30 years younger. Yeah, you yeah, because if you're able to do it the other way, because mm-hmm. they, they, I think the way that they do it is that they're restored, they've got the their sort of DNA records for whatever their age they were on record, so they can just restore that with the transporter. And it feels like actually that opens up a whole bunch of questions about, yeah, why couldn't you... Say, say if you first used a transporter when you were 12, why couldn't you reverse the process and, and yeah, um, restore your your body to back when you were 12? And then how many times could you do that? And oh, then, you, then you're really getting into the guts of, like, what does it mean to go through a transporter? Mm. Yeah, well, what does it mean to be alive? Yeah. <laughs> to age. Well, why know. age when this shit can go on? <laughs> yeah, I mean... You kind but of... that's cool, but that's cool. That, that's, that's a really interesting sci-fi concept. Well, yeah. Why age when you don't have to? But... It's interesting that you can, you can... We can start talking about that off the back of what is really a ridiculous comedy episode <laughs> yeah yeah um but 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 clearly it works on that in that level yeah. and and i yeah you you're absolutely right well i have to admit like i um i i often poo-pooed rascals but um having watched it i think it's a it's a really good episode well, that's all the time we've got for this part of the discussion. Um, we found quite a lot to talk about in this subject, so we're going to carry on in the next episode. So please join us for part two of our discussion about those flipping kids uh, when Ten te- Backward returns. Thank you very much for listening. Goodbye. Thank you. Bye. Do you realise how incredible this is? It's <laughs> tradition. You ever noticed her bum? What? That's bum. Oh, no! I will say... I will say... Fewer things. Fewer things. Okay. Enough of this self-indulgence. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. If you want to get in touch with us, our website is www.loweredexradio.co.uk. You can reach us on the Twitters at at 10backward, 10 being the number and backward being the word backward. We're also on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash 10 backward podcast. You can also email us at crew at loweredexradio.co.uk. On a personal individual level, my Twitter is at Will Turland. Rick Everson's Twitter is at TrekFanRick. And Rick Palmer's Twitter is at Mr. Imhotep. Hi, thank you again for listening to the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, you might consider supporting us. We have now have a Patreon uh, where people can uh, pledge small amounts to fund uh, ongoing projects like uh, keeping our website up to date, uh, um, new audio equipment as we're going along, and potentially uh, opportunities to expand our content. Uh, you can go look at this at patreon.com forward slash loweredexradio. Uh, if you don't feel you can donate, but would still like to support us. We would love it if you could subscribe to us or however get your podcasts through iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or we're on various third-party apps. And if you could leave us a review on any of those, that would be fantastic and would be very appreciative. Thanks again for listening, and please tune in for more podcasts from the 10 Backward Crew. Let's make sure history never forgets the name. 10 Backward? Laddie, don't you think you should... Rephrase that. Ten backward. Ten backward. No!